You're going to remember this every day for the rest of your life. If you want to get to a goal, if you want to get to your dream, you've got to focus on all the little steps. You have to put in your time. You have to be patient and you have to enjoy the process. Whatever you're doing now, whatever you want to be great at, whatever you want to be special at, I'm sure you, you may be already be good at it, but to be extraordinary, you have to do extra. I firmly believe that we are all here for a very specific reason, to do something truly extraordinary. But what are you going to do to get there? Welcome to the Magna Method Podcast. This is our third installment with yours truly, Mark Magna. Mark, welcome back to the show. It's great to be on the show. <laughs> so today we're going to be covering personal training and your transition into uh, into that field and moving to Miami from Montreal and just continuing our story from there. So why don't you just kind of break it down for us, give us some, some of the highlights, some of the points of where you decided to transition from Montreal and, and how you got into personal training and we can talk a little bit more about how that developed. Um, after leaving Montreal, um, I had no idea where I was going to set up shop and live. I came down to Montreal because I, uh, excuse me, I came down to Miami because Miami's a great place. I like the weather, I like the people, I like the energy, and it, it seemed like a good fit for me. Um, I wasn't quite sure if I could make it a place to live and uh, have a career here, but I knew that I wanted to to transition into fitness and wellness and but before I did that I actually got a job working for uh, a production company I started working for that company and I was wearing a suit every day every day and I was doing something that I didn't like and I was working with a, a group of people that I just didn't really feel um, positive energy like I didn't feel like I just knew something was wrong and long story short I just wanted to break away from that and at that time I was in talks with a general manager at a fitness wellness company and she asked me if I wanted to uh, be on the training staff there and I told her at the time I didn't even have a certification I had to work to get that so I studied uh, for a couple months and I just took my CSCS exam and it started there you know studying and taking an exam and passing it means that you passed an exam that's it I mean I really mm -hmm. knew it, it if nothing is the base level I knew under that level so we talk about it all the time but just because you like to work out you can kill it in the gym you go beast mode uh, Monday through Saturday doesn't mean you're a personal trainer. We talked about this before. Yeah. Just because you like watching movies doesn't mean you can act, right? right. Try memorizing this 15-page script. <laughs> but I knew that that was a place for me with my past experience, with my the hurdles I overcame being a, a obese young person and being bullied and trying to gain strength to protect yourself and all those things. And I just liked the fact that I could help people improve the quality of life I just there was a whole bunch of steps uh, that followed that brought me to where I am today and just trying to figure out my path what I need to know what I need to stay away from and how it started um, it's a long story that I don't <laughs> know so sure which parts you want to hear about okay so in that time you're working you decide to work for the corporate wellness facility uh, you also worked uh, with professional athletes as well right as a strength and conditioning coach 
Uh, well, yeah, I. But first, I was. I worked with. I worked with professional athletes for. Um, in Montreal, and I had trained athletes on my team because I was writing the programming, and trying to figure out what would be best for athletes and what would be best for their positions and you know sets reps movement and but i hadn't trained at another facility that worked with uh high level athletes i, I worked at this bef- uh corporate wellness facility and i was trying to get it going and i had like no clients like none and look i was you know hustling as they like to say but I, I had to get business going. And how did I do that? I trained everyone for free. Like, I trained everyone for free. That's all I did. And I, I just wanted to try to get them results. I was a results-based uh, business. And I said, look, what, do you, what are your goals? I'm going to try to get you there. And I just trained them. I said, you don't, don't, don't even bother pulling out your wallet. I don't want to get paid. All I want you to do is tell a few people. And they did. So I quickly gained a full client roster. And doing that, I also knew that I wanted to work with athletes because I had a lot of that left inside me. So I set up a meeting between myself and the owner of a uh, performance company in um, Aventura. And he, we, we met at this place in, in Brickell. Uh, his name was Pete. And he walked in, and he had, like, three huge bags with him because he was nervous about leaving his equipment in his car. He had, like, speed ladders in the bag, and everything <laughs> was hilarious. But I think we've all been there. Um, but he told me what it was all about, and I said, where do I sign up? And I signed up, and I went to work uh, for this performance company in Aventura, Florida. And I worked there for uh, three years. And that guy works with a big percentage of NFL athletes, right? Oh, yeah, man. He trains... He trains everyone, and he's, you know, I don't have anything in the private sector to compare him to, but I do know, um, based on what I've seen, meaning I've worked with, I've been trained by people like Mike Wojcik, uh, Mike Morris, uh, Johnny Parker, NFL strength coaches, when I was playing, but I didn't have anyone in the private sector. To my my knowledge, I think he's the best. I really do. Mm -hmm. Um, and I worked there for nothing, you know, so, uh, I got paid later on, but it was very little, but it wasn't about the pay. And I think that's an important takeaway. It was about the knowledge and the experience and just, you know, keeping my mouth shut, keeping my head down, learning as much as I could and knowing that I'm planting seeds that are going to help me, uh, far down the road. What are some of the biggest differences between training athletes and versus regular Joe's? You know, I remember someone said, you know, training athletes is much harder than training the everyday person. And I gave it some thought. And that same person who said that retracted his statement. Do you remember this? You do? I think so. Yeah, he retracted his statement. He said, I, I not only do I not think that anymore, I think it's the, quite the opposite. Meaning the athletes are much easier to train and the average person is harder to train. Because, I mean, you're training you know, a lawyer, a doctor, um, you know, a, a waitress, a waiter, anyone from any field, any walk of life. Now, when you work with professional athletes, they're professionals for a reason. They 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 come with an awesome canvas that you can paint on. They're, right. they're, they're, they usually have these incredible physiques and strengths and speed, these great physical attributes. Um, 
plus the lifestyle, right? It's not like you're yeah. trying to fit fitness within their lifestyle. Like that revolves within their lifestyle. Yeah, I mean, they go. A lot of people sign up to a fitness wellness uh, or a fitness club, a corporate wellness facility, and they say, "Hey, man, I want I want to train. I think I want to train. I want to get it going. I, th- I think I want to make it a part of my life." If you're a pro athlete, <laughs> it is a part of your life, <laughs> and. and yeah. You know, but but that being said, don't think for a second you don't have to convince guys to show up. Like they know they need to show up, yeah. but you got to like stay on. You do. Yeah. I mean, it's just the way it is. I mean, we we talked about you know the my theory on professional athletes and where their heads are at many times. Um, I think that the everyday person um, will push hard, and listen, the strength of a woman who's you know, had six or seven kids is huge. Like, that's a very strong person. A strength of a mom that you train, it's a very strong person, really. A professional athlete, they might not be able to deal with those things, but they could be big and strong, right? So it's all, I mean, there are pros and cons to each. Training a professional athlete, you might be able to push them a little bit harder. You might be be a little bit tougher with them. They know because of the sports they played that they need to accept certain uh, tonalities and deliveries. Mm -hmm. And some only respond to a high pitch voice—not a high pitch voice, but yelling yeah. and uh, you know jabs. That's the way they were raised. Right. And you're not just sometimes you need to be a little bit harder than them. If you do that to an everyday client in a corporate wellness facility, you might get fired. Right. So it's very different. And having that switch to flip it on and flip it off is not easy. So, but I wanted to work with the uh, with athletes, you know, to get it on my resume and to learn and to learn from a guy who was terrific and mm-hmm. he was great. So, how was how was your career as an athlete, or how has it your career as an athlete? How has it influenced you as a trainer, as a coach, and and now as a business owner of a training facility? Um, I've learned a lot of things as a athlete and what I like and what I don't like. Uh, I like coaches or leader authority heads or leaders to do what they say, say what they mean, follow through, uh, try to exude or be the example of the things that you want in your facility. That's important. But I also like an open line of communication. If I have a problem with someone on my staff, I want to talk to them immediately because I don't want that to fester. And I want to look him in the eye and I'm going to tell him, like, this is what we're dealing with. Uh, this is what the problem is. This is what needs to happen. And then I'm going to ask them. Most people don't do this. I'm going to ask them for their feedback because I want to hear their side. I think that's important. Yeah. Um, I don't know at all, but I just, I always say the, 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 the one thing that I have in common with the people working for me is their best interest. Mm. It's really their best interest because we've talked about this. Other facilities, they're not going to promote their trainers. They're just not going to do it because they're promoting the business and they're promoting the programming and they're not promoting the trainers or the personalities. I want to promote all those things because I believe I used to work at a place where I asked someone in management, what do you think? I mean, do you think the success is attributed to the team? Because I think we have something really special here. That manager looked me right in the eye and said, it's not really the team, it's just it's the product. And I was thinking, I mean, I've never heard that. 
mean, if you get an NFL coach up there, you get a coach up there, he's going to say, it's all because of the team. It's not the plays. Because you can have a bunch of plays and have a bunch of other guys run the plays, and it's not going to turn out well, right? Yeah. So, you know, and also these other companies, as we discussed, they use models. They don't use the trainers. And they're definitely not trying to keep the trainers down, but they're certainly not trying to promote them, right? So I think that we have a different business model, and you really have to uh, pay attention to the things you do as a leader and as a coach. And playing was a great example. I've Bill Parcells was a coach of mine. Bill Belichick, Dick LeBeau, he coached for over fifty-five years in the NFL. Uh, Pete Carroll, I mean, some the winningest coach in uh, CFL history, Donnie Matthews. Like you don't get to those levels without knowing how to you know, use adaptive communication. Mm-hmm. You really have to understand how to talk to people. And I don't have all the answers. And sometimes I, you know what, I do a terrible job talking to people, but you know, you learn, you know, you learn like, I, listen, I talked to this guy this way last week, it didn't work out well. And I need to check myself and say, Hey Mark, that's not going to help. What, what's the end result we're looking for? I want him to be confident in the leadership that's there. And I'm not going to do that by screaming. I've also worked at facilities where all they do is scream. I mean, in the, the people just shut down. They go, like, numb or mute. And I've seen uh, business owners scream at guys nonstop and embarrass them in front of the staff and the athletes. And that's the same reason they lose four or five of their best employees. So no one wants to go to work every day in an environment that they hate. Right. Right? you got to be able to create a safe yeah. zone as a, as a leader. Yeah. I mean, you're going to spend, you know... I'd say 70 to 80% of your time in that facility around your coworkers, not doing your, maybe not doing your craft in your downtime, you know? Yeah. So you, you really have to pay attention to the energy you put out because they're going to go as you go. So what values and lessons did you learn as a dedicated athlete that you try to instill in your clients and teammates now? What lessons did I learn? Values and lessons, yeah. Um, you know... I mean, there's so many different things. I think understanding that being consistent always wins. Like, you have to be consistent with whatever you're doing. You know, that's the way you're, you're consistent in your behavior, consistent in your your training, your own personal training, training your clients, your programming. And more than anything, I think when we talk about retention, a lot of the people I've been training... Um, I've been training them nine years in the same time slots. <laughs> and you say, oh, Mark, that's great client. What? what retention. Right. So I think retention is kind of BS in our industry. I think if you just shoot for retention, you you will fail. Retention won't last. I do think that if you build up rapport and you don't have the intention, hey, I'm going to walk into the session and build up rapport, you build up rapport by being on time, being responsible. Hey, I'm going to send you the program, and you send them the program. Um, I'm going to send you the information on these uh, shoes that you should be wearing. I'm going to send you some information on this article, and then sending it by being supportive, by looking them in the eye and telling them, you know what, you did a great job. And by the way, not always telling them they did a great job. You build more rapport and more of a bond by looking them in the eye and telling them you know that wasn't very good and you're way better than that are you focused 
what can I do to help you be focused, right? And being open because everyone's very different, right? We, you have to be open to that. And then view your mistakes as lessons and as, you know, the midway point, you know? Kind of like the victories as well. Don't view your victories or your success with clients as a conclusion. I got this woman from here to here. Great, take care. Well, where can we go now? Hmm. Right? Yeah. And that's just something that will carry over to every aspect of their life. Being good at one thing, I absolutely believe, makes you better at another. Right? So for sure. So now I'm I'm gonna put you on the spot because I know you don't like to. Uh, I know your first preference is to to speak about other people and and how you can care for other people but i want to ask you right, i know you're humble i want to ask you what made you feel like you were fit and ready to not only lead a team but to lead them under your own umbrella where this was a new business venture for you where you know what made you believe you were fit to lead and create this this business of your own personal training that's a good question man <laughs> um, lewis spent about three weeks making these questions so you're gonna have some doozies on this list i just know it put you on the spot um, man no it's fine um it's i think it's like a relationship like I, I i know close friends that say hey i'm never gonna be in a relationship till i'm really ready you blink your eyes and a month later they're in a relationship i'm never gonna get married until i'm ready and i have a lot of money I have a big house and i have a great career there's never gonna be an optimal time for that you know, same type of situation, right? With with this business and this this particular project, a year after being at my first corporate wellness facility, my clients were telling me, "You gotta get out of here, man. You gotta get out of here and do your own thing." And I and I would look them right in the eye and tell them, "I don't even know how to like use the computers here. <laughs> like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I mean, that would be, you know, the ship going down, right?" So. I wanted to put in way more time than most. Like some people, hey, I just started personal training, got my certain start my own business. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That's just not me. I, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to experience a lot of different things. I've worked at a lot of different facilities. I've been on teams. I've been, you know, the head performance coach under, you know, this guy or that guy, and and learned more less about the performance but more about how to keep things going and keep things moving and and organize things and then make decisions and a lot of decisions that you don't want to make and have a lot of talks that you don't want to have to have with people but i just said you know what i'm going to do this if i don't do it now i'm never going to do it i want to do this i've always wanted to do this and i'm going to learn as i go you know i mean I'm, i'm picking up a lot of things as i go and don't forget I'm not doing this by myself. I have a really, really special team from, you know, we have David, uh, David working, both, we call them the two Davids, two Davids working in the office who are incredible, Uh, Vanessa in the office is incredible, Uh, we have Jess, we have Maxine, all these people working in the office are just like machines who have hearts and they understand the way things go and they're just really really special people so i mean i'll I'll tell you right now i can never do it without them you know what i told you earlier you know i I was working at another place and the manager said it really doesn't have anything to do with the team and by the way he didn't say it like that he said it's all about the system right that's what he said um 
with us, it's all about the team. Like, our, is our system good? I think our system's great, but we couldn't do it the way we do it without our team. There's no doubt. And we have to continue to recruit people who are like-minded, who understand those things. And it's not a guy who understands programming backwards. That's not what it is. It's understanding everything 360. Mm -hmm. Adaptive communication. Communication within the team. Understanding what our expectations are. And understanding what... There may be restrictions. And understanding those things as well. And how we want to promote them. And we want to build them up. And at some point, they're going to go. We know they're going to go. I mean, but that's what it is. And I saw this the other day. You know, what, hey, Mark, why would we build these people up? Right? Why would we build them up if we know they're just going to leave? Well, we're, that's the best case scenario. The worst case scenario is that we build them up. We don't build them up and they stay. Hmm. Right? We don't educate them yeah. and we don't teach them anything and then they stay. Then they're ruining our business. Right? We have to keep them up to speed with everything and keep developing them while they're with us. If they go on to bigger, better things, that's great. That's good energy for the world, right? Did I answer your question? So somewhat. Let's 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 put it even, you know, even more tight knit. Mm -hmm. What finally clicked when you said, "I'm ready." Confidence. And do you believe no, it confidence. came from the confidence that maybe your clients had in you where they kept saying, Mark, you should do your own thing, Mark, you should do your own no, thing? Or? No, no, not at all. Because, you know, it's funny. Like, I, the clients I certainly have, I'm, I'm very close with them. There are certainly friendships there. Yeah. I mean, it's more than a, uh, a client-trainer relationship mm -hmm. when you spend that much time. I spend more time with some of my clients than they do their families, right? Yeah. So it wasn't really from them, although they were very supportive and they really were in my corner. Um, it was more from me. Hand, I was handling so many different things at the same time. And people, some people would probably rush to say, you're in too many things. You can't do all those things. And you got to focus. Well, I, w I was trying to do all those things. And I was focused. Yeah. And was I perfect? Absolutely not. But I was doing better. Things were getting done. Yeah, things were getting yeah. done. And I was accomplishing things, meaning I was knocking out my goals and I kept moving down that pathway. But for me, it's confidence. I think a lot of people don't understand that I'm not the most confident person in the world. And I know I'll say things and I'll go, yeah, right. He's just, that's uh, uh, deprecating, self-deprecating uh, lines or lip readings. Yeah and they don't know that they're real and that's yeah. the irony of it like they don't know i told someone this morning we have uh some crazy trainers between grant ethan and jacqueline who made up these trainer challenges they started i think all oh, the trainer challenge theirs that's their idea and i told a couple of them the other day i said i'm i don't i'm nervous to do them and they laughed <laughs> And I was like, that's awesome that they laugh. I got them fooled because I actually am very nervous to do them. They don't know. Like, it's it's real. Like, that's real yeah. what I just said. And they laughed it off, which is great because they don't, they think I have, like, ice in my veins, which yeah. is the furthest thing. But it's confidence. Yeah. It's total confidence. I didn't have that. And I didn't want the responsibility of, you know, 10 to 12 trainers depending on me. I want to right. do my own thing, dude. I, w I want to do my own thing. I want to walk around with my own schedule. I don't want any st extra stress. But I said, you know what? I've, I've been so lucky to be around these special coaches and people who have helped create and mold and build me up into something that I'm very proud of. 
it would be uh, a disservice not to pay some of that forward. Like I really want to help them, and a lot of times in the in the in the Mark uh, trainer talks, it, it's I'm going to try to give you some advice, and I don't say do it Mark's way. I'm just say just use this and think about it, and have yeah. this in your arsenal, right? Have it in your tool belt, and I just want I usually tell them a story. And the story usually entails how I screwed up in, in the exact same situation. And um, some of them don't like to hear the stories. But <laughs> to answer your question, it was it really was confidence. I said, I'm ready to be responsible enough to have this weight fall on my shoulders. But it, you know, knowing that I had a good team eased some of the overwhelming feeling. Yeah. So a lot of people love, you know, everybody loves the... Uh, the overnight success story, even though you and I know those don't exist, right? But um, so talk to us a little bit about that transition period where it became real. And I remember being at a brunch with you and you describing the idea of what this facility could be like. You know, you were describing the outlook, you were describing the amenities and what it would have and, and all the details, which was pretty crazy that, you know, you almost hit it spot on, you know, if I remember correctly. And talk to us about the point where it got real right i remember i remember being in the building before there was even you know a tile laid down you know talk to us about that that phase and what that was like and and what was going through your mind at that point where it was you know your your dreams your thoughts were starting to manifest um well this was you know i I wasn't at all strategized like man i'm just gonna I'm gonna walk away from this job, and the next day I'm gonna turn the key, and this is gonna open. Yeah. That, that that sounds great, but that, <laughs> that's not the way it was. Um, I had this, you know, we talk about this often, and, and Jamie, of course, Rojas talks about. So I had this thing when I was in my bedroom when I was 10, 11 years old. Behind my wall was a bunch of pictures. And what vision would you board. call that now? A vision see, board, right? See, the Tony Robbins said, "Let's call it a vision board." I said, "No, man." I said, "It's not a vision board. It's just some pictures I had on my wall." But it, it was very much that. It was all things that I were trying to pull into my life, like you know, athletes and movement, and just like uh, athletic, you know, performance and achievement. And it was very important to me. So I started the same thing for a fitness wellness facility. Okay, these are the treadmills I want. These are the benches I want. These are the accessories I want. No, no, not those bands. Cause those bands break. I want bands from this company. Yeah. Like every little detail, like it was big. Like I knew those bands break. I want these bands. And, and I knew what kind of padding. I knew what kind of squat pads. Like every specialty bars. Everything went on that vision board. Everything, you know, was it was a collection of like a, this huge, I'm this huge sponge and I'm taking in all this data if you will and information on where to buy it where's the cheapest and that's all i did hmm. and i did that since day one at the corporate wellness facility yeah i said this is great this is what i'm, I'm loyal to them because they gave me a chance and i'm going to start here but as i'm here i'm going to build this giant mountain of information on what i will have someday yeah and every year it was like, is it this year? And I'm like, no, 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 it's not this year. And then it's the next year, no. And then I met, um, I had a friend who said, hey, this guy wants to start a gym as well. He needs to hear about your concept. And I said, let's do it. We sat down and talked. And we were like, this sounds very nice. Like he, he was a person who had success in the nightlife industry 
and I had been working in fitness and I knew, you know, from professional athletes to um, people in the fitness game, uh, you know, personalities in fitness, wellness, bodybuilding, everything, performance. And I'm like, man, I this might be a great match because this guy knows a lot of people. I know a lot of people within the industry. He seems like minded. He's a hard worker. Let's do this, you know. And there was another man. <laughs> he told me, uh, you know, you know, we're gonna do something together one day. When I first met him, and you know, it sounds nice, and it yeah. just sounds like a nice compliment. And I have, I mean, I respect the guy to the end of the earth. He's like, you know, brother, father, we call it what you want, but he's uh, pre- a pretty incredible person. And he put a lot of faith in me, a lot of confidence in me, and he really believed in me. Really. And yeah. he really believed in me because a lot of people don't do that. Right. And he said, oh, it's going to be no problem. It's going to be great. <laughs> and I was like, are you sure? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, we uh, came together and it, it's it been uh, it's been positive. Very cool. So, so now if you had to describe your facility, you know, for the people that have never been, you know, how would you describe it? What's what's the concept? What's the message that you want to bring forth through, you know, through that, through that facility? Do you remember your first experience walking into a gym? Yes. You do. Tell me about it. The first gym I went to was the Boys and Girls Club. It was the local boy, Boys and Girls Club. I had no idea what I was doing. I was messing around on a couple machines and... They had um, one of the coaches in there. He was one of the wrestling coaches um, for, like, the junior guys. And he showed me a couple of things, and I was in and out of there in five minutes. <laughs> why, why were you in and out of there in five minutes? Why do you think? Because uh, I had no idea what the hell I was doing. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the gym never it, it never really got real to me until I was about 17 years old uh, when I was in high school. And then that's where we actually started training. But when – okay, when you walked into that first facility, do you think you left because of lack of confidence? You didn't weren't really too sure of yourself. You were a little bit intimidated. You didn't feel that comfortable. Oh, absolutely. That's exactly what right. It was. So, by the way, the first gym I ever went to was the boys' club, <laughs> which is really funny and cool. Um, but I, I can't even begin to describe how insecure, self conscious, and had. I mean, I had low self esteem through the floor. And every time a guy in that gym looked over to me and said, it's awesome that you're training. Keep it up, kid. That was like a huge boost mm. of confidence. Yeah. Like, wow. Like, this guy sees me over here. By the way, it happened this morning in anatomy. Yeah. I saw a kid who was heavy set. He was working out with another guy who was probably a trainer. <laughs> and he shouldn't have been training. But anyway, I walked over to the kid. I asked him how old he was. He said he was 14. He was very heavy. But he was trying to get to the training session. Yeah. And... Uh, I said, hey, I want to show you something. And I said, I started training when I was your age as well. And I pulled out my phone and I showed him a picture of myself. And he thought it was my little brother. Yeah. <laughs> but your question, tell, tell you about anatomy. Anatomy started with an idea that we're going to create an optimal environment for people to feel comfortable, safe, and secure and create positive energy. Like, I don't want anyone thinking anatomy is... Oh, I got to get in shape to work there because everyone's ripped. I mean, that's a bunch of BS. We have tons of people who are out of shape. Tons of people who are out of shape who are trying to change their lives with trainers and without trainers. So I want it to be an incredible energy, but I also want it to 
be as um, give you all the outlets. We have personal training, we have group fitness, we have uh, the Vita Squad IV Lounge, we have a medical component with health gains, we have a hair salon, we have the recovery, which was a huge part of the model. Uh, cold plunge hot whirlpool infrared sauna steam room cold room that was huge because at the time i was working at a performance facility we would train them and then there was a whole list of recovery modalities there's like wednesday's pool work saturday's a little bit of pool work we have extra rest beds we have cold tubs we have uh mat there's just every type of therapy you could possibly think of and i want to bring as much therapy components into the mix as possible because you know, you have a cut in your finger, you keep rubbing that finger on the ground, it's not going to heal, right? We need to help educate these people on how they can heal their bodies, not so they can be optimal for the next workout, no, or the next training session, so they can feel better about their lives. Everyone's training for longevity, and we want to make them stronger, more fit, uh, you would imp- increase their work capacity so they can get through their days, not just the training. And use the recovery modalities to reduce stress in their life and not just their bodies. Very cool. So you're also, along with being a business owner, personal trainer, managing your team as well of, of, of other personal trainers, you're also a muscle tech athlete. Talk to us a little bit about that, the type of impact that's had on your career and um, just what that lifestyle is like representing a supplement brand like muscle tech. We, we talked about the start of muscle tech, right? Didn't we talk about that? Um, My wife, my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, was working for a company called BSN, and she would go every year to the Olympia. And I said, oh, I'm going to go out with her one year, and I checked it out, went to the shows, and it was great. And at the time, I was a personal trainer, corporate wellness facility, and I said, you know what? It'd be really cool to work for one of these companies. I wonder how you do it. And I just kept thinking about it. I remember on a, it was a Monday night, I told my wife, I'm taking my Facebook account down because it's superficial, it's BS, it's not helping, I don't like it. She said, you should just leave it up. <laughs> she said, just leave it up and see what happens. So the next day, I get a, a message on Facebook from a guy named Andrew Garvin. And Andrew Garvin was a... He was like an assistant coach, but more of like a assistant to an assistant coach for the Montreal Alouettes. And he was a young guy. He was working. This kid worked so much. I mean, he basically missed out on his entire 20s because he was working in offices, breaking down video. And he's one of a very close friend in my, in my life, one of my closest friends. But, you know, players, I don't know if they respected him or not, but listen, he instantly had my respect. He had my respect because he was working so darn much. And... You know, the players, they think they're something special or they're too cool. And I see this kid. He's in there before we get there. He's leaving after we leave. And he's doing it all the time. And he's going to school, by the way. It's unbelievable. Really smart. And I built up a great rapport with him. Talked a lot about sports, a lot about training, uh, a lot about football. And most importantly, he told me a lot about, like, what's happening in the game week, right? What we're going to see. And, you know, I built up a great bond with him. And several years later, I get an inbox message on Facebook and it says, Hey, Mark, this is Andrew. Uh, I don't know if you remember me, which, of course, I remember him. I spent almost six years of my life around this kid. Um, 
we're, I, now I, current, I no longer work in the CFL. I currently work for a company called Iovate Health Sciences. Under that umbrella is a, a brand called Muscle Tech. We're looking for a fitness professional to represent our brand who's not a bodybuilder, who's not a runner, someone in between, you know, uh, kind of like a fit, average, normal-looking guy that's yeah. attainable. That's what I look like. I'm attainable. And, uh, <laughs> so would you be interested? That was it. Would you be interested? You know, I just thought about that. All I did was think about that, okay? And I basically called it into my universe. I messaged back immediately, hey, Andrew, that sounds pretty cool. What? Do, how would I redo that? He said, well, we send you some products and you sample them if you like them and you think you'd want to go forward, you let me know. And then they sent, I said, yeah, sure, after I got the products. We talked about responsibilities, appearances, uh, how I was going to be a basically a strength coach and a consulting strength coach for content and doing you know photo shoots and things of that nature and i said sure send me a contract i signed it and i'm still with them to this day very cool it's been what six years five years it's been a long time i don't know uh six i think maybe six or seven so so what what role do supplements play in your training and lifestyle routine well the supplement world has changed drastically um, in my training, they're certainly present. I, I take, you know, I do take protein powders. Uh, I do take uh, recovery, uh, BCAs, things like BCAs. There's a lot of products that I can speak to. Great muscle tech products. Um, you know, I've taken creatine at one point. There's, I am always into improving myself what's good for me what's safe for me when to take it how much to take it how it's going to be optimal in your system and they have done a good job with working through the times and trying to make their products as safe as possible because they're not all safe the fda doesn't prove these supplements you know yeah most people don't know that they they have nothing to do with the supplement world right so it's kind of like an industry that has to police itself. And if your products are on like a bodybuilding.com site, they test these products out to make sure that they're on point. If they're not on point, that's what's so special about a, a company like bodybuilding.com. They pull the products. They will actually pull products. Mm. So <sighs> supplements, are, I mean, I think they're a huge part. I feel like supplements should supplement <laughs> your whole food intake. You don't live off of supplements. No supplement company would tell you that. Yeah. It's not about that. That was going to be my next question. Yeah. Is what would you say to people out yeah. there looking for the secret formula yeah. in the way of a pill or a powder right. to change their body? Yeah. So I think that they need to understand the more you train, the more you need to supplement. Why? Because you're putting excessive stress on your body and training in itself once a day for 30 minutes is not normal mm -hmm. most people do not do that that's added stress in the body now the guy that walks into our club and says i'm trying to kill it i'm trying to get in really good shape for this reunion i'm gonna train twice a day for two weeks there's gonna be a problem yeah there's gonna be a big problem so I'm not suggesting he needs to supplement like crazy. I'm suggesting he needs to reduce training and ease into it. And supplements can certainly play a role in his pathway. Yeah. But you need to be careful what you're taking and why you're taking it. There's not too many people out there that can train, be consistent, use supplementation in a positive way to guide you and aid you and get results. Because one of those things will drop off.
the training will will slack uh, they won't be consistent they'll fall off in the supplementation they'll fall off on the nutrition if you can do all those things you'll get results what kind of results i don't know that's up to you but you will get results so being one of the few faces um to represent a company like muscle tech you know that comes with like you said the photo shoots i know you've been on a couple of magazines um what's what's that like and you know what type of responsibility comes with that type of reward um you know what are some of the expectations that are placed upon you um both in your professional and your personal life um you know it's interesting if you watch like the flows of the industry supplement companies companies like this are investing in people that can represent their brand in a positive way and represent something solid something good something someone living a positive lifestyle or a uh, healthy lifestyle no one's going to sign someone up to a supplement company if they're a liability right. they're just not going to do it right so the responsibilities are act as if right act as if you are working for a supplement company if you want to bring that into your life and you want to set a good example you know i mean i remember the first day i posted about uh, i'm happy that i got a you know a uh, athlete contract with muscle tech one so a guy i know that i was very close with walked right up to me and he said oh that's cool man that's cool for you but i would never sell out like that and i was thinking i don't know is he right did i sell out or it sounds like the talk of a person who didn't get the contract i don't know right and I had to keep asking myself what I'm doing, why I'm doing it, and do I believe in it? Because believing in it is important. Are there certain things you'd be crazy to think like, you know, I agree with everything. But I, I think I, I do like the leadership of the company. I like what they're doing. And I think it's also the responsibility of the person taking those supplements. You know, they're not forcing those things down your throat. You have to make educated decisions. Do your research. Educate yourself and then make a conscious decision, right? That's great advice. So with that, tell us about the you know, the magazines. Was that a big deal for you? What was your favorite issue, if any? And um what that feel like, you know, because I've seen before, you know, you just had one recently put out and you know, you'll have um clients or friends that'll They'll post it up and say, you know, it's funny to see you in the aisle at, you know, this store or on the newsstand. What's what's that like? It's interesting to me because when I when I was so small, I used to collect these magazines. You know, <laughs> I, I used to look at them and say, oh, the, you know, this is really cool. And man, if I had a dollar for every guy that says, man, I don't I don't care about who's on the cover of a magazine, man, it doesn't impress me. It's like, man, you sound it, like the guy that yeah, was yeah, 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 on the cover. Exactly. If you think that I woke up and that was my only goal to get in the cover of a magazine, you're drinking your own Kool-Aid, man. Yeah. Because that was like goal number 70, you know? Was it cool? Absolutely. It made me feel great. I loved every minute of it. I, I thought it was terrific, but it's like slow your roll, though. It wasn't, it yeah. wasn't the end-all, be-all. You get in a cover of a magazine. You know how much you get paid to be in a cover of a magazine? Guess. Zero, I would assume. Zero. <laughs> Zero. You don't get anything. You yeah. get a bunch of people posting, hey, I saw you in the aisle, and which is, by the way, it's super nice, man. The people are 
when they see me on a cover magazine they say something nice it makes it warms my heart it makes me yeah. feel great but you know that's something that came as a byproduct of writing content working for almost a decade over a decade right and then you know an athletic career for 20 something years and just trying to put together something where you're trying to pass on a healthy positive lifestyle of training proper nutrition supplementation and you're you're a face now you're a face and that's what you are and you know i remember saying how do you get in a cover magazine right that was one of our things oh, this is so funny i was working from i'm still working most like at the time i was at must take two years and i was training one of my favorite clients his name is rich that's all i'm gonna say and he said why aren't you on the cover of any magazines i said well i don't know i'm not i'm not a huge name in the industry i don't think that's a that's possible right now he said you know what you should do you should call uh, muscle tech today and tell me you want to be on the cover of a magazine i said rich you, re- you don't understand it doesn't really work like that and he goes yeah you should try it <laughs> so <laughs> i'll never forget that session ended i called uh vito sanzone at uh iowa health sciences and i said hey vito how you doing we started talking that was life and then i said hey vito i really want to be on the cover of a magazine you can make that happen right he said, really? You want to be in a cover magazine? I said, yeah, that would be great. He said, okay. Hey, do you call uh, Sean over at uh, Muscle and Fitness and try to get uh, Megan on the cover of this magazine. A week later, I get a call. I'm shooting for Muscle and Fitness. Wow. And that's, was, a big, that's a big magazine. I right? was like, I'm looking at the Muscle and Fitness in the grocery store, and it's got Arnold on it. The next month, it was me. It was Arnold and me. <laughs> Same birthday, by the way. And... I was blown away. I was like, the people who get what they want are the ones who ask for it, yeah. show up to get it. Ask. Yeah. If you ask, if it's possible, they'll do it. Yeah. If it's not, they'll say it's not possible. Plus, you won't. You'll never get to the point where you ask unless you know you're worth it. Exactly. You know, unless you know you deserve it. So. And that was it. And then, uh, by the way, that was like, that was like six years ago. Yeah. And and recently, maybe six months ago, I was thinking man this is it like I have a very good friend of mine it's always like yeah your best years are behind you your best years are behind <laughs> you and he's always giving me jabs and I said maybe he's right and um, I said yeah but you know what I want to let's try to get on the cover of some of these more magazines and then I got a call they said you're going to be on the cover of Train Magazine that's Bodybuilding.com's magazine I said that's amazing like three days later they said Mark we really want to shoot you for uh Inside Fitness, that's Terry Friendo's magazine. It's a great, yeah. great performance magazine. I said, oh, my God, two magazines. I had one in the six years, another two. And then a week after that, I said, Fitness Rx is going to shoot you in L.A. Uh, in, in a week. It's like, you know, when it rains, it pours. Yeah. I, I, th- I think thinking of it and, and saying, you know, this is important to me. This is something I want to do. That's a lot to do with it. Really, that's a lot to do with it. I mean, being in the industry has certainly helped and being around some people that you know are decision makers but I don't it wasn't uh, goal number one yeah it really wasn't but I will tell you does it matter to me yeah it matters to me because it shows my evolution and it shows uh, all my hard work and then it puts me on a platform to say you know what it was hard for me it's probably gonna be hard for you too but you can do it and here's how I did it that's it yeah and that's a powerful tool so earlier you mentioned that 
being overly confident or really confident at all um, can be sometimes your weak point, right? Where you, you, you find yourself not so confident. And so when you're pushing out for some of these media sources and you're pushing out content, what's that like? You know, I know that you're, you know, you're posting daily um, and sometimes there comes some, some backlash from that, be it from haters, be it from, you know, people who just don't know any better or people who are deliberately just trying to, you know, make it a point to be heard. Um, what's that like? Is it worth putting yourself out there? Well, that's one of the things I struggle with a great deal. I mean, I had friends that would tell me, no, nah, man, I don't do Facebook. I don't have a social media account. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't, disc- I don't, I place value in their opinion, but I don't believe, you know, the government's conspiring against us to track <laughs> all our social media accounts. Maybe they are. I don't know. I don't, but I don't believe they are. And if they are, okay, I'm not putting anything up there other than, hey, uh, have a great day. I worked out today. Yeah. I don't know what they can pull from that, but um, I I like the social media thing. Um, I think that was one of the things I struggled with a great deal. Should I put myself out there or not? I mean, someone told me to make some uh, blog video posts eight years ago. And they said, this is going to be huge. You got to do it. And I was like, no, no, no. Well, I just started doing it like two years ago. <laughs> And if I would have done it earlier, it would have been really, you know, it'd be a nice little collection. But I think, you know, when you're putting out content, you have to think about what you're trying to say, how you're going to say it. And remember that that lives in eternity. And it's a lot of pressure. But I think what helps more than anything is be yourself. Like, really be yourself. And I'm not saying, please don't take this the wrong way. Being yourself isn't to drop a bunch of F-bombs and be real and just start cussing, going nuts. I I don't think it, that's not what I'm referring to. If you want to do that, do that. But just understand that you may be limiting yourself. And and I love to tell you, be real and be you. But I'm just cautioning you to, if you do certain things and say certain things, you're going to limit your opportunities. You know? Yeah. And most people, as you told, you said earlier off the year, most people don't want to hear those things because you're taking the control out of their hands. Yeah. And they don't get to make the decision. They don't like that. Even though you may have their best interest at heart, right? Yeah. But, I, th- you know, we get caught up in listening to these stories of E.T., Tony Robbins. You know, I know Gary V's crushing it. He, yeah. No pun intended with his book. But, uh <laughs> They're all amazing. Those guys inspire daily, and I hope I can scratch the surface of the world the way they have because they're incredible. But two things. Number one, don't think that you're them. You know what I mean? Like, right. don't think because you've been doing it one, two, three, or four years that all of a sudden you're in ET's league. Right. Because ET has been doing ET for two decades or right. more. Right. Don't carry the confidence off someone else's yeah, sweat. Yeah. Right? I mean, you're carrying. People are saying this, and I had a conversation with Eric this morning about it. He listened to the same one. You know, people saying, I'm hustling, I'm grinding. I hate the word grinding. Like, I hate it. Because it was like, I'm grinding, I'm grinding. I'm like, when did you grind? Oh, I woke up, bro. I grinded from 8 to 4. I was grinding. (laughs) I'm like, grinding, dude. I'm like, that's like a half a day for most people. Most of America has to work two jobs. You know what I mean? So, you know, just caution yourself to... 
or, or be mindful enough to know who you are and where you where, where you want to be. Yeah. Know that you're not there yet where you want to be. But also, in regards to the content, tell your story. Tell it the way you experienced it. Because I'd rather hear your story than hear E.T.'s story over again. Yeah. E.T.'s story is an amazing story. The guy's amazing. But that's his story. Yeah. I want to hear your story. That's true. And very few people are willing to put themselves out on the yeah. line like that. Yeah, they don't They don't want any people knowing about them. And listen, I know why. The first, I remember a year ago, two years ago, Muscle Tech did this thing. You know, the workout Wednesday hit, right? And they said, Mark, what we're going to do is we're going to record all your stuff, your workouts, and we're going to put a line. Because people like your workouts. I said, okay, cool, great. They put it up. Man, the comments came in. I was so excited. I'm like, man, it's like a thousand comments there. I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna I'm gonna read all those comments. <laughs> I remember this. Which was the worst idea ever. <laughs> Out of a thousand comments, there were nine hundred and ninety that were ripping me to pieces. Who's this clown? He's got no legs. He's not strong enough. I remember I, I did a reverse lunge at four hundred and five pounds on my back and they said this guy's got no strength at all. And I was thinking Man, like they were, I mean, these people were ripping into my soul. They were saying some, you know, that, that segment on uh, Jimmy Kimmel or something, like the funny tweets about you. I mean, they were saying some funny things. Where are his shoulders? How come he doesn't train arms? Uh, he's got no abs. Why is he so fat? Why is he so skinny? It was like, dude. Jesus. So tell your story. Be genuine and know that if you're going to throw your hat in the arena. It's going to deal with a certain backlash. And the good comes with the bad, man. Yeah. You've got to be able to take both. Cool. So on a lighter note, what, what are some of the fitness trends that you follow now, some of the fitness personalities you like, and you know, some of the ideas around there? I mean, there are, there are tons of people who I respect and listen to, and not because they're, they're always right. I think we should, you should always say that not, they're not always right, but I like the way they're working to find uh, the best possible information about everything, right? The body's the body, nutrition is nutrition, but there's always going to be things that come up within science, right? Um, some of the people I like, I like, uh, I like Buddy Morris. I, I think the world of West Side and Louis Simmons. I like Dave Tate. I like uh, Mike Dolce. I like uh, Lane Norton very much. I love uh, Dr. Jacob Wilson, the yeah. muscle prof. He's yeah. great, and he's also a great guy, and he's extremely humble. I mean, some of these guys, uh, I like Jay DeMeo, who's not a huge you know, personality in social media, but I mean, he's a kid who grinded literally as a grad assistant at a small school, and now he's in charge of 23 sports, and he's a contributing writer to Muscle and Fitness. Some of those college interns who become assistant coaches and become strength coaches at universities, they could work circles around any fitness professional. I mean, circles. They're dealing with, you know, 15, 20, 25 sports. They know all the kids backwards. They're writing programs. Uh, they're overseeing everything. They know all about rehab, correctives, uh, mobility work. They're just killing it. So I would go to every university you get and hook up to all those coaches because those coaches are smart, real smart. Yeah. So I remember um, 
early on when we were working at the same facility, I'd be waiting downstairs for the doors to finally open to the gym. And at that point, I don't know how, but you had keys. And so you'd be the first guy in the gym and I'd be waiting for the elevator to finally open up. And in the downstairs room, whatever music was playing in the gym, I don't know if you were hitting the wrong button, (laughs) but whatever music was playing in the gym would play downstairs. And so I would hear these motivational videos going off while you were training. Um, Talk to us a little bit about what role that plays, because you're the guy that really introduced me to motivational videos. Who was the guy that we listened to? He's from Miami. Jared. Jared uh, Jared Grossman. Grossman. Yeah, Yeah. I listened to him this morning. I told someone about him this morning. Um, When I tore my knee in Montreal, I was really depressed. I mean, it was nothing but... I was in a two-bedroom condo with a couch and a bed and a large TV, and I just sat there. I would get up to train and do rehab, and then I would just sit there because you got to stay off your feet. Yeah. And by the way, after an ACL surgery, when you stand up and that blood flows to your knee, it is not a good place to be. Yeah. So I'm on the computer, I'm on YouTube, and I am just watching these videos about inspiration and motivation. Like when life knocks you down, <laughs> you better land on your back. <laughs> if you can look up, you can get yeah. up. So I'm listening to all these things. That was like over 10 years ago. And it found a special place in my heart. And I made a connection with, you know, the Les Brown and Zig Ziglar and Tony Robbins, E.T., all these guys. I'm thinking the they're talking to me. They're talking to me because I am ready to give up. And this is hard and I don't like pain anymore. I'm tired of being in pain. My whole body hurts. And I don't know if I'll ever walk again right. I don't know if I'll ever play again. And I knew when I was on that couch and I had that computer on, I felt good. And I started doing push-ups. I started doing sit-ups. And I started doing little corrective exercise. And I was doing that all day because that thing was playing in the background. And it's like the speaking in, in the, the videos was talking to me like, dude, don't just sit down. You got to go. You got you to do something. You got to move. So this became a huge part of my day. So I did the uh, uh, YouTube to MP3 converter, and I converted all of them to uh, audio files, and I carried it around with me all day. And that was way, way back. And I started doing that in my workouts, and then I heard a, uh, there were like four, for the people listening, there were, if you go to YouTube and you type these words in, there's one called Achieving Greatness, there's one called Fearless, there's one called uh, Best Life Motivation, that's like all Grossman, right? All Jared, Jared Grossman. Grossman and yeah. Jared Grossman is someone who I... So I researched who's the voice in these videos. And I couldn't... It said Jared Grossman. And I'm like, who's Jared Grossman? And I Googled him and I researched him and I figured out this kid lives in Miami. And he's a life coach and he's doing very well apparently. So there's a fitness convention in Miami. It's actually at the uh, convention center in Miami Beach. And my wife says, you should go over there and check it out. I said, okay, I'm going to go over there. So I get my email blast from fitness companies or wellness companies. I'm checking my email, and I get a new YouTube alert for a new video by a company called Muscle Prodigy. So if you type in Muscle Prodigy, you'll hear all Jared's voice, his voice narrating those videos. So I walk into the fitness uh, convention center, this fitness uh, event, and I walk up to a booth. I'm with Randy Frankel. So they send me this uh, email before I got there of a new video, motivational video, and I'm listening to it in the car on the way. I'm like, wow, this is a great new video. 
sure enough I get to the convention center and there's a tent they have a little booth muscle prodigy I'm like this is amazing I just I've always <laughs> wanted to meet these guys like they, they provide so much more I mean some of their videos have like 5 million 10 million hits yeah. I mean they get a lot of attention so I walk over to the girl in the booth I said hey um, my name is Mark I, I got a quick question for you whose voice is that in the video she turns around she's like oh it's his voice over here that's Jarrett he's the owner of the company and I said no no the guy in the video has got a really deep voice like this strong voice that's like a, a young kid she goes, yeah, that's his voice. So she calls him over, and I said, hey, my name is Mark Magna. Um, I've been listening to your videos. I love your videos. Thank you for all the inspiration and motivation. They're incredible. Really, congrats. But whose voice is that, honestly? Is that Joe Rogan's <laughs> voice? I said, is that Joe Rogan's voice? And he says, no, I've been working on that voice for years. Let me show you. And he goes into character, and he starts, greatness is not this <laughs> everlasting, right? So esoteric quality yeah. so we started talking and I said man that's incredible I said um, you know someday someday you know it'd be really cool I like to have one of those videos so I, sh I took a picture put that picture up on Facebook and I said I've been listening to this guy's videos for years he posted the same picture and said this is Mark Magna he stopped by our booth today what he doesn't know is that we know exactly who he is. We've been following him for years through Muscle Tech, and we're going to do a video on him. So That's he awesome. writes me an email and he says, Gather any video clippings, pictures, send it all my way. So sent it all over to him, and like in three weeks, he made this video that has like, I don't know if it's six or 800,000 hits now on YouTube. It's called uh, Let Your Pain Be Your Fuel, and it pumped me up. I was yeah. like, man, this is incredible. But I use those videos in, in for everything. And then I, you know, pass that on to lots of people on my staff who love the videos. And I just like them. I like the words. I like how it's thoughtful. I like how people are working through adversity and they're trying to be the very best they can, not just in training, but in their life as a, as a husband or a boyfriend or as a coworker or as a friend. I like those things. I mean, they're, they're inspiring. Yeah. So now, let's let's talk about a little bit of how you have. So okay, so you're a muscle tech athlete, you're a trainer, business owner. You know, you run the facility, you manage, you know, your own personal training team, and now you've got, you know, you also got your own personal website. You do online coaching, and now you've also got the podcast. How how do they all tie together, um, and why do all of these things? The reason I started training was to help people. I wanted to help people because I said I had a difficult time starting. And I know there's more people like Mark Magna out there. And with anatomy, we wanted to create happy faces in a pleasant environment. So when people walk in, you know, they're, they're experiencing something friendly, right? And listen... Just so you know, Lewis, not everyone who comes to anatomy wants to shake your hand, give you a high five. We have people that come in, don't even smile, look up. That's fine. But it's there if they need it. Training is there if you need it. We are here to help people, and they need to know that. But we can't help them until they're ready. Um, writing content, I do that to help people. Majority of my content started out as motivational lifestyle, not science and assessing the body and doing mobility. What does mobi what does mobility matter if you're ready to, uh, if you're depressed or you're 
you're feeling terrible about your life. Who cares about how much you can squat or bench press or how fast you can run or how mobile you are, if you can do, you know, the crawl technique. Like people don't care about that. They want to feel good in their head first. Then if they can feel good in their head, they'll feel good in their body. And that's what it was all about. Helping people find themselves through a positive lifestyle and mind, body, spirit in their uh, physical self. That's what it is. And that's why I do all these things. That's why we're doing the podcast now, to be an outlet for other people because if we've, we've talked about it countless times. It's all we talk about. Life is about helping other people. It's not to be a good guy. It's because I wouldn't be here if I didn't get the help of so many people contributing to the life of Mark Magna to help him through the rough, rocky waters and the rough times. So I got to pass that on, man. Yeah. I don't want to just help myself and just hang out in a corner and be like, it's all good. I'm not helping you now. Good luck, buddy. Like, yeah. I want to I wanna help, man. And that's important to me. That's why I do it. That's why I do the content, the podcast, the videos, the training, and live the life we live. Yeah. By the way, I also skipped uh, the motivational speaker part because I know you've you recently taken on to that endeavor as well. And I recently just learned that you also will be doing a TED Talk soon. I wish you wouldn't have said that, but that's not sealed. Huh. Yeah, I hope well, to do we'll that. Seal it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to have to. But th- there's... Um, the motivational speaking, the first speeches I did, I was playing for the Patriots and I would go into schools and talk to kids in middle schools and high schools about staying the course and staying on a path and why it's so important. And looking at some of their faces, you could say that 90% of the kids weren't paying attention at all because they're kids. The kids that were paying attention, it's going to be a huge part of their life. The reason I say that is because I remember getting talks uh as an athlete or in school from people that would come in and i would listen because my mom was working several jobs my dad wasn't around and any adult that made time to talk to me i was excited to hear them so i'm trying to pay that forward as well okay so we're coming to the end and and uh if people can't tell by now you're obviously a high driven ambitious human being who gets shit done right and I want to know what's it all for, right? So how do you know when you, when you're on track for success? What will have to happen for you to be fully fulfilled? You know, how do you know when you're falling off track or off purpose? How do you compose yourself and get back on? I know I'm giving you a boatload here, but just kind of summing up, like you know, and you've already mentioned a little bit about why you do it. But as a whole, you know, how, how do you know that you're having success in this business? Yeah, maybe give me one of those at a time. Uh, how, do, how do you know you're having success? It, firstly, it depends on what your definition of success is, right? If your definition of success is financial, you, know, you just pay attention to the numbers. If your definition of success is members, great. If your definition of success is pats on the back or social media likes or that's how you quantify whatever way you quantify it so what's your definition my definition of success is uh, maybe someone sending me a message saying you know I you really helped me and helped inspire me and motivate me and I watch your stuff in the morning and it really helps me it gives me something that I didn't have before and that's inspired me to not only you know let's say train but just be better be better because I'm that guy that's currently and I say currently always struggling with everything like I, I, I there's a lot of things I struggle, I struggle with uh, 
making enough time for the people around me. I struggle with being a good leader at work. I want to be a good leader, but I don't have a playbook for it. You know, I struggle with doing everything right, um, trying to do it right, do do it to the best of my ability. And I'm in my head about it a lot. So you never know if you're having success. All you can do is do what you feel is best, do what you feel is right, keep your head down. And what I mean by keeping your head down is just go to work. Go to work. See what happens. You know, and then it, you might have to stay the course. You might have to veer off, but you'll know when you need to do it. All it takes is what we discussed before. Just spend some time thinking about it. If it feels good, keep going. If it doesn't feel good, make an adjustment. But you really need to pay attention. Listen to yourself. Don't listen to other people. There's a few people you should definitely value their opinions, but those are the people closest to you. Think about how it makes you feel. And we've talked about this before. What's your experience like where you work, for example? Um, what, what's it like? What's your experience like with the other people? What's your support system like? Do the people that you love and live with, do they like that you're there? Do they think it's positive for you? Those types of things. Okay. Last serious question, and then we'll go through the, uh, through the fast round. I get a fast round. You get a fast Did round. Did you do your own questions for the fast round? Yes. Oh, man. Somewhat. So, <laughs> last serious question. Um, no more anatomy. No more magazines. Uh, the whole muscle to everything's gone, right? You get... So, anything that you've done to this point, all the content, all the material, uh, it's, all, it's all washed away. What's your legacy in, you know, in one or two sentences, you know, that how do you want to be remembered? So no one has any material to go back and find out who Mark Magna was except for these one or two sentences that you're going to leave behind. Whoever crossed my path, I made time to help them enough where it it helped influence their life in a positive way. That's how I'm going to leave my mark. And that's that's why that content doesn't matter in regards to people and close relationships. My, I, I'm, I guarantee my wife hasn't read 90% of the articles I've written. I guarantee it. She, By the way, she hasn't even heard one podcast. <laughs> she, but that doesn't mean she doesn't love me. She's very busy. She's a hard worker. Um, it's all about how you treat people when you are present. That's it. Because... You know, I would hope that any anyone on my staff needs something, I'm going to help them. And, and a lot of times it might not be the best business decision to help them, but yeah. you're going to help them. You know why? Because someone helped me. Yeah. You know, and I, want, I don't want to stand in their way of anything. I want to be someone that's, you know, bridges the gap and helps them. And hopefully they place some value in that. You don't do it. Someone told me this recently and I thought it was great. And I'm sure everyone listening has heard it before. You don't do things to get something in return. You do things to help people, and you have to be able to. You have to be prepared to get nothing in return. But at the same time, of course, you want them to appreciate it. You'd like them to acknowledge this guy helped me, and it wasn't like yeah, 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 he helped me. It's he helped me, and it was a huge. It was huge for him to go out of his way to help. Because you know what? There's so many people that went out of their way to help me. I could give you names. Your head would spin. You're like, dude, that person helped you. They did. They really did, and they didn't have to. And that, if without their help, I wouldn't be where I am right now. We talk about it all the time. There are no self-made men. Yeah. We all get help. You might not want to admit it, but you get help. 
And you may not be aware of it, but someone may be helping you from the sidelines. I agree. But you're getting help. Yeah. Trust me. I agree. All right, let's go through a fast round. You ready? Here we Hold go. On. Okay, I think I'm ready. <laughs> Number one is usually where it starts. Favorite food? Ah, oh, man. I, uh, favorite food. My wife makes protein pancakes. I love protein pancakes. <laughs> favorite restaurant? It, I love the Forge, man. I get it. I love Sharif Malik. I go with the Forge. <laughs> Got to, He's a I client, like, isn't he? Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> but I do. I love the Forge, but the, no, that's the. <laughs> but I've always loved the Forge. Listen, I like Forge. I love Prime. I love Nayara. Have you been to Nayara? Uh, Nayara is no. amazing. We're gonna go to Nayara. It's amazing, Chef B. There's, there's a that's Thai food, yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. All right, favorite cheat meal besides Mel's pancakes. I don't know. Can Rice House of Kebab be a cheat meal? <laughs> <laughs> I love if, if rice. I, yeah, if I go with the sauce, maybe my brother's listening to this right now. He he eats rice three times a day when he comes to Miami. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. Favorite TV show? Favorite TV show? I don't know. We're in a steel cage death match right now with, <laughs> with, with Ballers, Ray Donovan, and The Night Of. Okay. Oh, okay. House of Cards, too. You picked four there. Sorry. <laughs> Favorite book? Another doozy. Yeah, it is a doozy. You know, it sounds funny, but there was a book I read a long time ago. A friend bought it for me in college. It was called The Warrior Elite. Oh, right after college. And it was about a guy, uh, the author, Dick Couch, tried to figure out what makes up uh, a guy who makes it through special forces particularly Navy SEAL training, and it's a great book. Read it. Yeah. It's about class 228, and I think it has 228 pages in it, by the way, which is very interesting. Very it just cool. came to me. But the conclusion they came to is there's nothing special about them with one exception. Each guy decided he was going to make it before he showed up. That's it. Okay. Favorite song to train to, but this is three categories. First, in high school, what was your favorite song to train to? It's got to be the Rocky song. It has, <laughs> to be. it has to be one of the Rocky songs. All right. In college? Wherever I May Roam or Enter Sandman by Metallica. Wow. Or Paradise City. Damn, okay. I see it going with three. <laughs> when you were in the pros? Uh, I think a Kid Rock song. Uh my, one of the kids, the Bawatangi, I would do the long name. <laughs> the Kid Rock song. Everyone's going to know it. All right. And now? Now? I, I don't know. Lately, it's Prodigy. Okay. I, you went back to old school. I know, but Prodigy, <laughs> like, it's so it's so aggressive. Old school hip-hop. Like, it's kind of aggressive and angry. But I also like uh, The 16th Marriage of Figaro by Mozart because it's calming. I'm at both ends of the spectrum. I'm like Caligula. Okay. Favorite movie? Shawshank Redemption. Favorite actor? It's a toss-up between Christian Bale and Edward Norton. Okay. Christian Bale and Edward Norton. If not a pro athlete or trainer, what would you be and why? I think I'd like to be a doctor because I'm, you know, I could be like a pediatrician around kids or, uh, or maybe a high school football coach. I don't. wouldn't want to be a teacher, though. I just wouldn't. Okay. I'm being honest, but I maybe a high school football coach because I don't know. 
I don't know if I have that kind of patience, but something where you 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 know you're building young men in, in or a college football coach. Yeah. If you could host a mastermind of five people, right? So five guys that are going to teach you something. Who would you invite and why? I would invite Malcolm Gladwell, Simon Sinek, uh, Dr. Rick Verrier, Stephen Covey. Is that five? That's four. And Tony Robbins. Okay. I left DT out. <laughs> I left DT out. It's okay. going to get back to him. I'm going to put you on the spot. Favorite interviewee on the podcast? Oh, man. This is, that's messed up. That's messed <laughs> up. I think it's a toss-up between... I Listen, the reason I can't say Sharif is because <laughs> Sharif... I have those conversations with him all the time. Really. I have them with all the time, but... You know, it was interesting. It's between Randy Frankel and Gabrielle Anwar. Okay. Randy Frankel, hearing his story, and he, he, Randy will leave you with five sentences or takeaways that you're like, wow, I need yeah. to like write those down or tattoo them on my arms because they're great. And Gabrielle Anwar. She was incredible, by the way. Yeah, that was my favorite yeah. podcast. If you don't, if you don't, haven't listened to a podcast, yeah. I mean, Gabrielle is like, she's so, you know, uh, I guess, how would you say it? I'd um, say well-spoken. She's got a oh. beautiful voice, totally intelligent. The, the ideas she had and the way that she spoke of them were... She's she's she's, she's very uh, in, 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 t- in touch with what's going on with herself. She's very uh, uh, she, aware, self-aware, I should say. And she has a great outlook. She's been through a lot, too, by the way. And she's also a successful actress. So since she just walked in, I'll, I'll jump to this one. Favorite ritual with Mel or family? Our favorite ritual is probably sitting down on the couch after the end of a long day, the three of us with Melanie, uh, Bailey, and just kind of talking about our day. You know, we talk about the good, the bads. We whine to each other. We complain. Then we talk about the good things. And we always end up there in... Uh, I fall asleep. It's usually Bailey falls asleep first, or I fall asleep, one of the two, and then she ends up telling us to uh, go to bed. <laughs> All right, so on that note, we'll go ahead and put this podcast to sleep. Thanks again for spending the time with me. Thanks again for all the sharing, the insights. I'm sure the fans are going to really appreciate it. Thank you so much for doing this, man. You're you're a pro. I can't wait for the, the legacy of Lewis podcast show. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Thank you.